ברוך השם, you're a bad Jew. שלום. are listening to the bad jew podcast welcome everyone thank you for coming in this is the podcast where you are not a bad jew for being on your journey with me today is rabbi benzion klatsko rabbi thank you so much for joining us today how are you doing today my pleasure thank you very much thanks for having me on of course my pleasure listen how is torah relevant to 2023 and i'm i'm actually kind of curious about that because it really it's a book that was It's a, it's a scroll, it's a parchment that was written, what, 3,000 years ago at this point? 5,000 years ago? What, what is it? Exactly how many years now? Well, it was given 33,334 years ago. Right. There you go. So yeah. last year it would have been 3333. Would have been really easy to remember. So we're going we're gonna to talk about how exactly it's still relevant to today. But in order to get you properly acquainted with our audience today, I'm going to go ahead and give you the bad Jew challenge, which is to tell your life story in four minutes. Are you ready? Let's do it. All right. Three, two, one, go. Okay, great. Born in Cincinnati, Ohio. Grew up in Cleveland. Uh, Indians, when they were the Indians, Browns, Cavs, all the way. Went to yeshiva. My mom was the daughter of a rabbi. My dad was on his journey uh, learning more about Judaism. Uh, I got married at a young age, and um, we now have 11 children. Thank God. Married uh, to a young lady from Brooklyn, uh, and I went to rabbinical school where I'm uh, double ordained. And at the same time, uh, I became a pulpit rabbi at a very young age, uh, first in Brooklyn for seven years, and then New Jersey for three years. At the age of 30, my brother passed away, and I sort of recalibrated what I wanted to do with my life. And I left the pulpit and I moved on to campus work where I became the rabbi at UCLA. Uh, at that time, there was no on-campus rabbi. So it was an adventure with myself, my wife, and six kids living on fraternity row in between A.E. Pi and ZBT. And uh, we had a really great time there. Over that stretch of about seven years, I got the bug in me to start doing this on different campuses. And I started opening up campuses around Southern California and then around the country. Uh, first adding USC and then UCSD, SDSU, UCSB and other campuses. And then eventually helping to uh, open Michigan and Florida and Wisconsin. In addition, I became the rabbi for the Hollywood crowd. And I gave a class the first Wednesday of every month to uh, Hollywood producers, directors, and actors. 2007, moved back to New York, uh, which is where I live today in a city called Muncie, maligned, maligned, and yet it's an amazing place to live. I wouldn't trade it for anything except for Israel, of course. We live over here. We have lots and lots of guests for Shabbat. Uh, it's part of what we do. Uh, lots of People come, they join, and uh, we make matches. My wife and I are both matchmakers. We've done about 300 matches at this point. And uh, actually, I just found out about one just two minutes ago that we were instrumental. And so that was a really good news to come onto this uh, podcast with. Meanwhile, I started getting the, the bug of 
starting projects. And I started a project called Shabbat.com, which was an idea of a Jewish social network. Uh, today, Shabbat.com is a website and an app. It's the largest uh, Jewish uh, social network in the world. We're in 220 countries. And you can find a place. And you can check it out down there. It's got a nice link. And, and it's just like a Jewish Facebook, Instagram meets J-Date meets Couchsurfing. Uh, it's just a really, really great uh, place to go to. And uh, and then at that point, I started opening up other campuses and starting other projects. Um, I work for Olami, which is an organization that does Jewish outreach all across the country. And uh, meanwhile, I also am very interested in art. I have an art gallery. Uh, I'm interested in music, and I produce and compose music. And that is uh, that is um, my life. I think probably under four minutes. Yeah, you you had 26 seconds left on the clock there. That was incredible, Rabbi. Great job. That's God's uh, name, 26. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And by the way, Baruch Hashem on your matchmaking. That's incredible. Uh, I have so many things to comment on just because there was a lot to unpack there that, you know, you're, you have your whole life up till now uh, to unpack there. So that's that's what we're talking about here. Right. First of all, AEPI. I'm an AEPI brother, AEPI to the day I die. There we go. Um, there, we go. there we go. Beta Alpha yeah. chapter. And then I also wanted to, you know, kind of switch to a more solemn tone here. I'm, you know, may your brother's memory be a blessing. You said that you kind of reorganized after his passing. What what was it? What was it about his uh, his passing that motivated that? My brother was a a person who who did a tremendous amount in a short amount of time. He passed away when he was twenty eight, and the stories and the the lessons that he spread all across his community. He became a rabbi at the age of twenty six in South Africa, and he he flipped the country in terms of Judaism open today what is one of the large synagogues in, in South Africa. And he did it all in two years. And I thought to myself at that time, I was a rabbi in New Jersey and that my synagogue was nice place, mainly for elderly people. And I was the rabbi slash youngest of the synagogue. And I just felt like I'm not if, like, if I were to die tomorrow, I wouldn't have a body of work that I could be proud of. I, I didn't make the kind of difference that I'd hoped to make. So I just dropped out of the rabbinate. You know, you get the inspiration. I looked for something that would be more my calling that would make a greater difference. And it ended up being uh, outreach work, campus work, and then eventually using technology. It's incredible, you know, and, and your brother clearly had an impact because when I was on my Israel trip with uh, Aish Lit, part of Aish Torah uh, this summer in July, uh, literally parallel with our group was a much larger uh, trip that was just like ours, but with about a hundred kids from South Africa. And it was, uh, it was, you know, now that you say that I kind of have chills because I'm thinking to myself that there definitely is a connection there in terms of uh, where, well, you know, that, that kind of impact that your brother had, uh, had. So, you know, again, may his memory be a blessing. And uh, thank you for sharing that, that anecdote with us in, re in regards to the today's episode. You know, how is the Torah relevant to 2023? You know, we're in a, the, you know, the Torah never mentioned anything about iPhones, okay? The Torah never mentioned anything about augmented reality or NFTs. It never mentioned anything about this, this modern day life that we have where literally we can receive notifications on our wrist uh, and be able to create business transactions through a few clicks of the button. You know, my entire business is online. I don't have any tangible 
items to be able to give. The Torah doesn't mention that. This is all modern day. Not to mention Torah, you know, not talking about how uh, gender studies has developed over time, how sexuality, how, the, the study of that has developed over time. How, wh- wh- what do you have to say about that? How, do, how, how does it exactly play a part in today's world? There's a lot to unpack about what you just said. Um, yeah, yeah. I will mention, even before I uh, respond, social networking is actually mentioned in the Torah. The entire concept of social networking can be found in the beginning of the tractate of, of Brachot, right away in the beginning, where um, there's a dialogue between King David and uh, his his advisors, and basically he describes what we consider today social networking, where you have friends and friends of friends. So, yeah, it, it was actually right there. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay, yeah. And, uh, yeah. okay, so so social networking was described by King David. What else? What else we got? Yeah, yeah, gender studies is also uh, discussed uh, at tremendous length, tremendous length. Um, okay. Um, yeah, and, and there are actually a lot of kids, like my own kids, who are studying in yeshiva, and they learn these things. And I, I like, I think to myself, do they do they understand what the context is? Because there's so much of it, you can't not bump into it if you spend any time learning Talmud. So um, let, let's take a step back. Let's take a step back, um, because yeah, because sometimes when when you have a question, there is there's an underlying premise behind the question. We I call that the parentheses that's unspoken. So uh, I'll, I'll give you an example. If somebody, if if my daughter said to me, dad, why can't you buy me a horse for my birthday? So dad assumes a lot in the question. Number one, it assumes I'm her dad and that I wasn't lying about that. It assumes that that I care about her enough to buy her presents, right? Because if I didn't, then the answer would be simple. I'm not buying you worse because I'm not buying you anything because I don't care about you. So there are assumptions. Uh, there's an assumption that that birthdays are, uh, the custom is to give presents. That's an assumption. Otherwise, you'd say, why can't you buy me a horse on Tuesday? So there's a lot of baggage on back. Whenever we hear a question, there's always a tremendous amount of assumptions that we have to agree on. So the Torah's relevancy uh, has to assume certain things in order to even get to the uh, the starting line. And let me tell you where Judaism is coming from. And then the conversation of the relevancy begins from that point. Judaism believes that the Torah is divine. It comes from God. And therefore, God... Again, we have to agree on the definition of God. It's a parenthesis. But if we agree on the definition of God, all-knowing, all-loving, the creator, the sustainer, transcends time, if we agree on that definition, so then any uh, any instruction that God gives would transcend time, would be all-knowing. And God knew about NFTs, and he knows about genders because he made genders. That's how, th- that's how the question would be phrased for a Jew that believes that that's where the Torah is coming from. Um, the opposite, if a person would not believe the Torah is divine, then the answer to your question is very simple. It's not relevant. It's an- antiquated. Even if it had uh, even if it had uh, smart things to say about life, 
it's not relevant because time changes and moors change and um, and uh, you know the technology advances and science advances advances and humanity uh, evolves so we would have to agree on what the definition of Torah is. Is Torah a divine document or is it something that just a clever person slash people invented because they were bored or they wanted to make a better society? In order for me to answer your question, you would have to know which camp I plant my flag in. That camp is the Torah. Yeah, no, that's, 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 I mean, listen, hey, context is important. Here's where I'll tell you where I'm at right now. I'm not, well, Teshuvah by any means, uh, and I'm not Orthodox at all, but I can tell you that I am an observant Jew uh, who went from something closer to a secular level uh, rather than conservative. You know, from that secular level, I, I really was inspired to kind of pursue this uh, journey as, uh, you know, which you, you can you can find and hear the full story of my journey in uh, episode one of this podcast. And then being said, you know, I do believe in God. I believe in this thing that connects all human beings to even inanimate objects. And I believe in this, that we are all, you know, cogs in this giant machine. And somehow by being cogs in this giant machine, we're able to spread morality and actually have a positive impact and also have a negative impact on the world and on the universe for that matter. So that's how I kind of view, you know, my placement in the world. I am an observant Jew. I do believe in God. And I'm very much in the middle of a journey with not really a clear label as to what I am. But being said, I do want to spread mitzvah and good deeds into the world. And uh, I do believe that the Torah is a divine thing. Well, that I, we would be certainly on the same page. And uh, if we had a, like many hours, we can introduce the, uh, the listener to, or the viewer to all sorts of, of, of evidence, both, um, both sociological and uh, archaeological and, and, and so on, that would back up that claim. But whenever people speak of the relevancy of Torah, if we agree the Torah is divine, so then I'm going to say something's really, really uh, strong, but delicious at the same time. Okay. Hit me. If the Torah is actually true, if the word of God is true, and that's the Torah, then the question it was never, is the Torah relevant? The question really is, are we relevant? Human are being. we living relevant lives? Is my life a relevant life? Am I living a relevant life? If the Torah is the 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 peg, as we say in Bitcoin. I don't know if you could use uh, uh, if you could use that stuff anymore. But uh, <laughs> we're not yeah. we're not plugging that. There's no banner at the bottom saying go go. Uh, no, go no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah. If if the Torah is the peg, though, if that is uh, the gold standard. Okay, we're we're back to the hard money now. The Torah is the gold standard. So then the question is not, is the Torah relevant? The question is, is the life that I'm living a relevant life? And that that all depends. So where is where's the bar? Am I the bar and the Torah's got to reach me and my sense of morality? Is the bar our president, who's supposed to be the greatest of all of us? That would be that would be the president of the United States, I would imagine should be the greatest human being to lead a nation. I mean, I'm being a little tongue-in-cheek over here because uh, I rarely have we found a president that, that would match that, that would meet that. In, in, right. But but that's the question. Are we looking at the greatest human being and say, does Torah match the greatness of the greatest human being? Or 
is the Torah and its morality and its vision for the world, its roadmap for, for mankind, uh, the, the gold standard, and then is my life living up to that gold standard or am I falling short, whether on purpose or or just out of laziness or out of ignorance or just because I'm floating? Uh, what is the standard that we're trying to reach? Is it me and God's got to reach me or is it God and I've got to reach God? Well, it's funny that you asked that because my you, you kind of set my, my mindset on an entire journey by saying what you just said right off the gate. I'm just going to say right now, I would have to imagine human beings are the ones that are not relevant in the situation simply because who are we to decide if we are the gold standard, as you said? I don't know. I have a lot of opinions, as you do, but my opinions are very temporary and it's not uh, Emmett, right? It's not the truth, right? I mean, only God can determine what the truth is, right? So where do we go from here? How, how do we even continue that conversation? Amazing. Amazing. L like you just did. You just continued it. Well, um, but like, I feel like I'm at a dead end because you and I are no arbiter to what any of this means. You know, I, I guess you're going to put me in an ex existential crisis right now. So hit me what you got. <laughs> okay, so, so we've got two, two things. We've got the, we have to divide it up into two categories. Okay. You've got modernity in terms of technology mm -hmm. and technology could be scientific. It could be iPhones or it could be, uh, it could be CRISPR-Cas9. It could be antibiotics. It could be human achievement. And the other category is human morality. Okay. So there's, there's, there's what we do and who we are. Okay. So let's take morality for a moment. I don't think that there's anyone uh, who would, could honestly look at history and say that we've grown tremendously on our own in terms of morality. There are, there are gender studies and we're trying to become more moral and we've emancipated the slaves in America and other places still have slaves. But, but uh, you know, we had the, the Holocaust happen not 100 years ago where human beings were thrown into ovens. Right? That's not much of a not much of a uh, climb uh, out of the abyss of the dark ages. As a matter of fact, it was worse than the dark ages. We have tear gas still being used in, in uh, third world countries. We've got Russia arbitrarily invading Ukraine. I mean, to say that morally we have become enlightened is, is it's really, really tough. Now we we've grown. There's no question. You know, the, the, there is certainly a veneer of, of gentlemanliness, of humanity that we, we strive to achieve. But human beings on their own are subject to something called the moral wave. And the moral wave ebbs and flows. And I'll explain to you what I mean. A moral wave means that society begins sort of prudishly, sort of very conservative uh, in its value system. And then those who feel enlightened begin to push the envelope and they break out of that moral uh, confines, out of that moral uh, paradigm, and they begin to do things that society may have frowned on. And then others push the envelope even more. And then even more and even more until the wave gets too big for its own weight and the wave crashes. And society goes from being incredibly liberal to once again 
uh, becoming more conservative and more value oriented. And throughout history, that's how history works. We, we see that uh, in, in a micro version in the ebb and flow of politics how you've got the Democrats and the Republicans, and now the right there's an ebb and flow of uh, those undecideds that go from being very liberal to very conservative, and we see it. For example, uh, you're in the media business, so you know in the 1950s, you you can be kicked off or fined for saying the word hell, and that was considered you, you that was considered a no no that was wrong. And then soon that became okay, but other words were not okay, or other subject matters weren't okay. And then they were pushed. And then, okay, you don't say that on uh, broadcast media, national broadcast, but you could say it on cable, and uh, the FCC can't catch you. And and we can speak about things, and Howard Stern pushed the envelope, and, and then today Howard Stern will be considered incredibly tame compared to what's out there now. But the envelope is going to, the, the, the wave is going to crash, and society will will swing back. So I have two questions then. So first of all, when does that happen in the Torah? When do we see a society become more and more, you said liberal, that could also mean loose in values, that can mean a lot of things. When do we see that happen? And then when do we see that society crash and then go back into a more conservative value-based society? Beautiful. So the Torah is not like that. That would be that would be the counterpoint. I'll tell you that in a moment. But in the stories in the Torah, we see it again and again. We, we actually even see it in hidden in the names of the parshiot. Parshiot is in the, in the beginning we have Bereshit and then Noach and then Lech Lecha. These are the names of parshiot. And if you take all the names, it actually speaks about the moral wave. It's sort of hid, hidden code within the names of the parshiot. Um, mm. If you want, I'll, 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 I could blow up the code. I'll do it 10 seconds of blowing up the code. Yeah, uh, yeah let's blow up the code. 10 seconds, let's go. Yes. This is Hebrew now. Here we go. Ready? Bereshit okay. Noach. In the beginning, everyone is relaxed. Lech lecha, but they go out. Vayera chayeshara. And they, chayeshara. they go out and they see a life of richness and opulence. Toldos, uh, uh, the, the generations go on. They remain committed to their values. But Toldos, their generations, their kids, their grandkids, Vayetzei. They go off the deep end. They start uh, dabbling in things they shouldn't. It's a Vayishlach, God sends them away, Vayeshev. They're made to sit in exile. But Mikhech, to the end, Vayigash, God brings them close, Vayichi, they come back to values. They live on. So that hidden within the names of Parashot are actually the moral wave. Wow. So, so what do you do with all this? Right. So this goes back to your question. Your question was, is Torah relevant? So the beauty of having God eyes when it comes to looking down on humanity and its roadmap is God is not subject to the moral wave. So if there is a mitzvah in the Torah, we don't have to worry that that mitzvah will be outdated in 20, 30 or 300 years from now. In the same way, in a loose sense, that anything that you add on to the Mona Lisa will detract from it. It's a, a timeless classic. The Torah, as created by the creator of space, time, and matter, has morality, not just down to a science, but it's that absolute truth. So the question is not, what do I feel? How do, how do, how do my morals line up with the Torahs? Because my morals are really a product of where I was born in the moral wave. 
what I feel is right or not right really has to do with whether I was born in 1970 or 1990 or 2020. Those are going to change, guaranteed. They're going to change. And they're not always going to change for the better. They're going to change. So when I stick my flag in Torah, so I have those God eyes. Transcends. That's a great metaphor. Thank you. My thought is, my, my, my second question is this, and this is a good, that, what you just said is a good segue into that. Where do you think the moral wave current currently is? That's a funny sentence. Where is, where is the moral wave currently going into this year, into 2023? Where do you think we're at? And I'm, not talking, about as, and I'm not talking about as the United States. I'm talking about uh, as, mm-hmm. as, as a world, as Earth. In the world, you know. I think about your question a lot. That's the truth. I think about where, where, how close are we to the crashing of the wave, to the cresting of the wave? How close are we? I, I have some, some scary suspicions about where we're going. Does the crash with, always have to be violent and messy? I don't know if it's ever like violent or messy. I think it's just society looks in the mirror and they see where they've reached and maybe it does get messy. Maybe uh, there's tragedy or maybe there is there, there are tyrants who use where society is up to to push uh, certain agendas or to shut down other voices that want to be heard. And, and, you know, you've got sort of like an animal farm kind of a scenario where in the name of uh, openness, we've we've created a society where people are, are afraid to um, to be moral because they're looked at as as prudish and uh, and backwards and primitive, uh, but th- that time will come. Society is is not going to continue like this. It will probably get get significantly worse. Um, life will become less, you know, more expendable. Unfortunately, uh, collateral damage will become more acceptable. Uh, money will become even more powerful in deciding, uh, you know, we, we see the power of money even when it comes to climate change. Uh, everyone sees what's going on, and yet society can't do anything about it because everyone's locked into to, to, to money money issues. So money issues can kill, and, and uh, the entire thing, uh, it's going to crash. There's no question. <laughs> Is there anything the Torah says about 2023 potentially being a good year? I, I would tell you there's no question that a, a lot of Torah, which is being stressed today, is Torah that that comes from like Breslov, for example, which is a kind of chastidut that speaks about uh, having a, a sense of personal accomplishment and a healthy sense of self and uh, fighting anxiety and fighting depression and fighting societies. Uh, society's definition of what you are, of what a success is. And uh, a lot of that, uh, all of it actually, we get from Torah and its stories and its values and its laws. And um, and I, I would just tell you that it depresses me. It depresses me when I, uh, when I see a, a scandal that involves a Jew. Like, like, oh no, there's somebody like, but it, Almost always, especially the scandals that are making the news, these are 
there's not the Torah behind it. These are not values that that we believe in. And, and, you know, quite the opposite. If you put a nation together with the values of Torah, you get a nation that's a light unto other nations, a teacher of others and a, the founder of the Ten Commandments, the beacon of light for all of morality, what people call Judeo-Christian morality. Let's not kid ourselves. It's Jewish that Christians borrowed 1,300 years later. It's, these, are, these are Jewish values. Well said. Well, I will say this, is that the 613 commandments, uh, you know, there, there's, there's a lot in there that, that you know, has value that, I, that I, I, I plan to, you know, study more this year going into 2023. There's a lot to study there. There's a lot to explore upon. I think that, you know, as we, as we begin to, you know, come back to some of our roots here, we'll see that there's a lot more relevant uh, than expected. Which, which is encouraging. I think that that will bring, bring us a good light, be able to, to you know, help us grow in a variety of different ways. Rabbi Benzian Klatsko, thank you so much for being on this podcast. Should people want to reach out to you and engage in any of the businesses that you uh, partake in, what is the best way to connect with you? So I, I, I'm very free with my phone number because it, you can find it online anyways. So I Are you sure you want to give us your phone number? Are you sure? Yeah, yeah I'll save you the trouble. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I'm cool. Yeah, uh, I, I mean, I'm. A, I believe rabbis are there for the public. So, two on two Shabbat. It's it couldn't be easier. Two on two seven four two, two 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 eight, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm really happy to give that out. I'm Rabbi Kladsko at Gmail. Definitely, if you are watching this and you want to get in, in touch with the large Jewish community, go to Shabbat.com. I'm a musician also, and if you'd like to check out some some of my music and my family's music you can also go to you can go to youtube or spotify or apple music and put in Klatsko. you'll find a lot of that hopefully you'll enjoy it region art and it's just it's our way of spreading a little bit of light and love and and creativity and beauty in the world because judaism's got all of it check it out down there regionart.com if you want a nice jewish painting to help support shabbat.com uh, you'll find a very nice investment and uh, something you put with pride on the wall and say, I'm a Jew, not a bad Jew. I'm an awesomely bad Jew. Oh, I love it. I love it. There we go. Shalom. <laughs>